Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Economics and Business. My name is Laura Gatz, one of your hosts for this podcast series. Today, we'll be taking a long view of the UK economy. Although Brexit is dominating the short-term outlook, there are many other drivers that will determine the longer-run performance of the economy. Joining me to discuss these are two of my colleagues, John Hawksworth, our Chief Economist, and Mike Jakeman, a Senior Economist, who both compiled our latest UK Economic Outlook publication. They will tell us a little bit about the road ahead on two topics in particular, growth and debt. First of all, welcome to you both. Good to be here. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining me. John, in our latest UK Economic Outlook report, we cast our eyes back 200 years. What can you tell us about the long-term trends in economic growth in the UK? Well, firstly, as you say, we are really taking the long-term view here, looking back 200 years, using a, a relatively new Bank of England database that goes back that far. And it's really quite interesting what you see then. In the 19th century, the UK economy was growing quite steadily at just over 2% a year. Then in the first half of the 20th century, obviously, we had two world wars, we had the Great Depression, and average growth rates generally fell to below 2%, sometimes below 1% on average. But after the Second World War, there was a big spurt of growth, what the economists called the golden age of growth in the 50s and 60s, where in the UK, growth was averaging over 3% a year, and we were getting big technological changes, we were getting globalization uh, expanding, and we are getting very strong growth. Now, it slowed down a bit in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, sort of the years when I was growing up to more like sort of 2.5% on average, but despite a few recessions, it was still growing quite well. But since the turn of the century, what we've seen in the last two decades is that actually growth has averaged below 2% in both those two decades, really the lowest growth we've seen since the 1940s. Why do you think growth has slowed down, particularly in the last two decades? Well, obviously, the, the really big thing was the global financial crisis, which was a huge hit to the economy between 2008 and 2009. But normally, you would expect the economy to bounce back after that and, and return to, to strong growth consistently above 2% for a period of time. And it just didn't do that. Although we got strong jobs growth, we just didn't get the strong productivity growth that we've seen in, in past decades. And that's why growth has been so sluggish. I have a sort of slightly uh, maybe competing theory on this, which is related again to the financial crisis, which is that we saw such high unemployment rates after the crisis, which combined with the fact that we've been seeing also globalization and the opening up of new markets and the developments of supply chains, all of which meant we had a lot more labor accessible to companies. And I wonder whether or not we've seen a lot of investment, uh, not in capital, but in people. Um, and if we've, we've had this excess labor stock, um, now we're getting lower unemployment rates again, whether that will force companies to start investing in technology and whether that will mean that we start to see sort of higher productivity growth. Mm -hmm. That's a, a, perhaps a slightly sort of optimistic view, but it's, it's where I'm kind of willing to hang my hat at the moment. It all sort of seems to come back to productivity in the end, be that labour or capital. Um, so what sort of lessons can we draw from this? Well, I, I think the lessons and really also looking forward to the future in terms of the prospects for the next decade. You know, I think actually in many ways I agree with what Mike says is that we've kind of reached the end of the road on really rapid jobs growth. You know, we, we've now got unemployment down to lower since the mid-70s. Employment rates is at record highs. Migration is likely to fall after Brexit. We've got an ageing population, so the workforce isn't growing as strongly. So there's a limit to how far we can just drive our growth just by companies using more and more people. They're going to have to start investing, and hopefully that will boost productivity growth. But even making a relatively generous assumption on that, given the, uh, the less favourable demographics, less favourable jobs growth, 
that we might only be growing at about one and three quarter percent in the kind of business as usual case. So we need to somehow snap out of that sort of business as usual and try some new things, if you like. What what sort of new things are those? Like what what do you think um, can the UK economy do? Well, I think there are there are a few ideas. You know, firstly, I think investing in new technologies, AI, robotics, not just investing in the basic science, which we're actually pretty good at, but actually trying to roll this out commercially across the whole base of companies. Uh, in a recent survey that uh, other colleagues in PwC did found only 1% of our manufacturers are real global digital champions really leading the way in digital. So we have some great companies, but it's not spread far enough. Secondly, I think you have to invest more in infrastructure. You know, we've got Victorian era trains in many cases, you need more houses for people to live in. You also need to invest in skills so that, uh, so that if you don't have as many people, you need them to be more productive by boosting their skills level. Uh, and finally, I think also as we get an aging population, you have to support those people to work for longer when they want to do so. That could be lifelong learning initiatives, that could be more flexible working so that older people can continue to work part-time you know, into their late 60s, 70s. So although growth has slowed down lately, there are some things we can do um, going forward to bolster growth. Now, turning to debt, there are also some valuable lessons that we can learn from looking at the historical trends in this economic variable. Mike, could you sketch out how the UK debt stock has changed since sort of the turn of the century? Sure. And the first valuable lesson is don't talk about lots of numbers in a podcast, but I'm going to ignore that and try and give you some anyway. So in the year 2000, we had a debt stock in the UK of around about 190% of GDP. So hold that, that number in your mind. Um, and of that, the private sector accounted for uh, about three quarters and the government accounted for the rest. Uh, over the next eight years, as we sort of steadily and inexorably built up to the financial crisis, uh, the private sector, households and companies took advantage of a, a growing economy, took on a lot of new debt uh, and pushed the overall stock up uh, to 240%, so an increase of 50 percentage points. Uh, and in that time, the government stock barely grew at all. Um, then we had the financial crisis and everything changed and households and businesses responded to the crisis by paying down as much of their debt as quickly as they could to sort of build their resilience for any future crises. You know, they got massively spooked. Um, but it was the government that took on a lot of new debt um, as a result of higher spending through stimulus measures to try and put the economy back on track again uh, and because it had to borrow because its tax revenue base shrank. So what you get when you sort of aggregate all of these is that you get a peak year of, of 2012 when we had a debt to GDP ratio of 270%. So we've gone up from 190 to 270% um, in 12 years. That's quite a change. It is a, it is a change. Um, things, if you view indebtedness as a bad thing, you'd say that things got a bit better after that because once the economy had stabilised, we had a period of a few years where all three components, the, the government and households and companies, were all reducing their debt and the stock came down to 250% of GDP by about 2015. So looking at your data, actually, you mentioned 2015. Um, in your report, it's, it looks like consumers and businesses began to take on more debt again after 2015. Yeah, this was a bit of a surprise to me, actually. There was a, there's a pronounced change in their behaviour from that year uh, onwards. And we, we looked at a few different potential reasons why. It might be that they were simply bored and fed up with austerity and wanted to do something a bit differently. Um, it might have been because banks uh, became slightly more willing to lend around about that period. Uh, and we've, we also saw a bit more, um, uh, an increase in the pace of debt accumulation from students. So in 2012, the cap on fees was lifted from 3,000 a year to 9,000 a year. 
Um, and actually, the number of students has continued to grow quite quickly. So actually, by this, by that point, you know, students are, and their borrowing is, is a relatively substantial part of unsecured total lending, um, and is now sort of big enough uh, to be visible in the data. So there's a combination of different things that we think have, have changed in the last couple of years to uh, to mean that the, the the lines are now moving in a different direction on the graph. On the assumption that we get a reasonably smooth Brexit. Big, assu big assumption, but we'll, we'll go with it for now. <laughs> let, let, let's just take it on the face of it for now, yeah. yeah. Um, and also assuming, again, that the Bank of England raises interest rates sort of fairly gradually, what do you expect that that means for the dead stock and, you know, perhaps slightly more pertinently, debt repayments? All right, well, let's take the stock first. Um, we think re remainder of 2018, 2019, households and businesses uh, won't be taking on a huge amount of new debt. This is a time of sort of acute economic uncertainty uh, and we need to see that sort of play through I think particularly on the business side before companies are willing to sort of start to borrow more quickly uh, than the economy is growing. Um, for government, um, the government's been on this you know, now reasonably well-established path of uh, deleveraging. Um, we think that's going to continue in spite of a sort of slightly looser fiscal policy unveiled in the 2018 budget. So uh, we think after that, by sort of 2020, so the government will continue to deleverage. By 2020, we think households and businesses hopefully will have that kind of certainty based on this reasonably smooth Brexit um, you mentioned. And then we'll see them uh, starting to unleash on this pent up demand. Put it all together, and we think the debt to, DG, DG, debt to GDP ratio is going to rise uh, to about perhaps 270% of GDP by 2023, which would surpass the previous peak we saw uh, in 2012 and mean that the UK is more indebted than it's ever been before. Um, you mentioned debt repayments, which I agree are in a sense are actually sort of more important as they reflect how onerous that debt stock uh, is going to be. And on the assumption we get a single rate rise from the Bank of England um, each year over the next five years, we think the cost of repayments is going to rise from about 7.5% of GDP now to around 10% by 2023. That's not a massive rise, but that's also relative. I mean, it, it depends you know, exactly how comfortable you are with your personal finances at the moment. And if you're already borrowing to cover your essential spending, then any increase in the cost of borrowing is going to be painful. And I think this really sort of links back, particularly if you take a long-term perspective to the growth story. I, mean, I think ever since the early 80s, there was financial deliberalization in the UK. And there was a big increase in borrowing, particularly on mortgages, but also on things like car loans and so on. And that was facilitated by the fact that from about 1990 onwards, there was a big reduction in interest rates, not just in the UK, but globally, as inflation came down, as real interest rates came down, as a glut of savings from Asia pushed down interest rates in the global market. So we got much, much lower interest rates, and that encouraged people to be, build up debt. And then after the financial crisis, the bank cut interest rates to almost zero. And of course, that further encouraged people to keep, keep pushing up debt as soon as the recovery began since 2015. And so the worry is that we've become an economy that's kind of addicted to debt, and we can't actually get growth without debt. And so what we need to do is kind of look more broadly, perhaps, at firstly, at what our objectives are. Do we really want to focus on growth of GDP, or do we want to have a more balanced approach, looking at health, looking at housing, looking at transport, trying to have a more equal distribution of incomes, looking at the environment, and not be so obsessed with, with taking on more debt to kind of boost GDP? Uh, and also, I think we need to think about, you know, are there ways in which we can encourage people in the UK to actually save a bit more for their old age and, and, and actually not be so addicted to this sort of ever-increasing uh, rise in debt to fund consumer spending, you know, becoming, if you like, a less consumer society. So there are some bigger philosophical, if you like, issues out there about whether we can kick our debt habit 
uh, at the same time as doing the things we need to boost productivity and growth and, and look at this broader range of indicators. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, especially mentioning the welfare aspect here. Well, thanks very much to both of you. Um, it was really interesting to talk a bit more about what might be in store for the future of the UK economy in the slightly longer term. Investing in AI and addressing some infrastructure and skills shortfalls are clearly important steps to take if the UK wants to exploit its productivity potential and also achieve high growth. Against the backdrop of an expanding economy and once uncertainty subsides for consumers and businesses, we're also likely to see that firms and households expand borrowing again. Thanks both of you for sharing these insights with us. Oh, thanks very much. Good to be here. You're very welcome. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more, head to our UK Economic Outlook by following the link in the description. For other topics, please subscribe to stay tuned for upcoming episodes.